Hey folks, we're back here with uh, Very DeSuvero. What's up? Hey, it's great to be here. You're looking very nice. Is that meant to be a joke or... Have you heard that before? No, I don't really understand. You've heard that. <laughs> I convinced my seventh grade teacher once that I hadn't ever heard that joke before. Have they, What else do people say? Like, how are Most you doing? Very good. I usually try and make the joke before they can so they don't feel that special, but... Well, my, my last name is Landfield, and when I was a kid, they used to always call me Landfill. Oh, growing that's up. so sweet. And yep. they used to always tell me, like, I you know belong in the dump, the, the dumpster, the mm-hmm. <clears throat> the trash area. So Wow. Is the landmine related to the landfield? The landmine's interesting because I wanted to start the, the blog when I got back from Australia, the, the news, because you know, there's a history of Amanda Coyne and all these different things, and sure. Midnight Sun, and I wanted to do one, so I was like, what am I going to call it? And there was like the landfill report and there was like the ledger and there was all these, but I was like, these kind of don't sound good. So I, I did a crowdsource basically on Facebook and I was like, if I'm, I'm going to start a political news blog, what should I call it? Right. And that's you know, awesome. hundreds of comments, but one person, I have to go back and check because I forget who it was. They said landmine and I go, fuck, that is it. <laughs> and thus you were born. I was like that. I mean, that is it. Wow. And then look at the name. It's a catchy. No, it's perfect. It's a good name. It's so, great. we met for the first time in the during the session in Juno. Yep, on the steps. That's I was there. It was my first time. I was really excited to be there. I was doing telling everybody about payday lending, which was pretty upsetting then. And then the budget happened. Which so. and which, uh, oddly enough, I knew something about because a friend of mine owns a business that does like kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I was. We were talking about it and. It's. I actually know quite a bit about it. John Oliver actually did a thing last yeah. year. It's. He does all the best like consumer protection, like FYIs. I feel like that's like half of. He's half the reason why anybody knows anything about like robocalls and payday lending. Yeah. So your your work at your ACPERG. That's that's right. That's the Alaska Public Interest Research Group. But nobody wants to say that much. So I it's like ACPERG. That. I like that acronym ACPERG. Yeah. It sounds nice. It's what do you do there? So I'm the executive director, um, and I, I make the way for what we're basically concentrating on when we're fighting for consumers and figuring out how to protect them and um, how to advocate for policy that um, needs to be addressing things that consumers currently aren't, you know, protected. This thing's by. been this thing. You're giving me this little one pager. This thing's been around for a while. Yeah, we've been here since 1974. Um, we were started by Jamie Love, who worked a bunch on utilities and trying to do utility reform across the region. And since then, we've been really involved in utilities, which doesn't make you a lot of friends at parties when you talk about it. Um, but we also do a lot with let's consumer dis- finance. And- let's discuss utility rates and uh, <laughs> tariffs. That's, yeah. I would love nothing more, but you so you're, also- you're probably familiar with the uh, Regulatory Commission of Alaska, I would assume. In fact, I was there earlier today. Yeah, mayor, mayor, former Mayor Dan got put on there this this year. That's right. He wasn't there today. But. Who else? There's five people on there. Norm Rokeberg left. I just I didn't realize that, but he left I guess last year. Yeah. No. There's so and our Mayor Dan is the one who replaced him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh gosh, um, there there are a bunch of people. Pickett's currently the chair, and he's working on the issue that I focus on, which is electric utility 
rail belt grid unification. So there's is, a there's a Chugach MLMP deal right now. They're they have to they have to approve. That was what we. That's what I was there talking about. See, I, I, I was actually on the Chugach Electric Bylaws Committee. Really? Years, years years ago, I actually ran for the Chugach board. What? In like thirteen or fourteen, only because no there way. was there was three seats up mm-hmm. and there was three incumbents running so all three incumbents who were up were all running yeah. and there was nobody else running you gotta fight the man and i was like that's bullshit like uh-huh. I'm, so i put my name in and it got kind of i lost but I, I did a mailer like a <laughs> postcard mailer and the chugach elections are w- wild west there's no re- there's no reporting <laughs> uh-huh. you can what? raise money you can spend nobody has to know what you i mean it's kind of weird there's no it's not like a regular city election or state election mm-hmm. so i had sent out a postcard to like you know the super voters. You can you can pull the list like regular voters. You can yeah. see who voted in the last Chugach elections. The members. So huh. I sent out a postcard to like the people who vote, mm-hmm. and I said, "Vote only vote for Jeff Land. Bullet vote only for Jeff Landfield." <laughs> and I went to one of the the debates or one of the forums, and one of the guys, I think his name was John Henderson. He was on the board, and yep. he like flipped out and was like, "You're you're trying to create division in this fucking board." Wow. And like like I speak like Russian a campaign or. Like, uh, yeah, well, he was just mad because in the past, Chugach had a lot of term like years and years ago. There was yep. a lot of turmoil, but he, um, he, I speak Russian, and he was like, he made some comment about, oh, you speak Russian or something with Russian, and I was like, yeah. Uh, he's like, my wife's from Czech Republic. What? And I was like, great, I've been there. Really he's relevant. Like, he's like, the Russians invaded them and like occupied them, and like, I was wow. like, I wasn't born till the 1980s. This is Russia and infiltrating I'm not Russian. Like, right. I'm not like, why are you mad at me? He was just pissed off because of my postcard. Wow. But well, I'm, that's why we get to work on those elections is because it's not like regulated by APOC at all. Zero. So I've long advocated for just a one utility in the whole South Central. But it, it is ridiculous. It, it The amount of power that we generate right now could be powered by a half of a power plant in the lower 48. And instead, we have six utilities mm-hmm. that all provide that service. But none of them want none of them want to you know give up their they have boards and, and directors and they have control. And totally. And so. they've all built their own generation sources in the past 10 years. So they spent one point four billion dollars on like in ratepayer money. Right. Because they don't get along. It's really strange. I mean, that's why I really hope this true gadget. MLMP thing, you know, has no issues because that makes total. We're in the same city. Yeah, it turns out it's going to have a lot of issues, but uh, really, yep. I was, I was. I'm learning all about mergers and acquisitions right now. What, but, what, what are the issues? Um, do you know what a acquisition premium is? No. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> acquisition. Let me guess. Acquisition premium is that? I don't know. Price that's put on the value of the acquisition. No, so it's the extra money that MLNP gets, basically, when Chugach is acquiring them. There's, MLNP says, we're worth a billion dollars, but we want you to pay us $1.5 billion, right? Because we're, we're worth it um, in intangibles or because of this premium. And so that $0.5 billion now, right, Chugach is subsuming MLNP. And so who's going to pay for that money, right? It's either going to be the ratepayers of Chugach or the taxpayers of the Muni. And so that premium, right, it was it was promised that no rates would be raised in the general election, but actually what it was promised was that the base rate wouldn't be raised. And so where the cost of this acquisition premium filters to is a huge deal. And the acquisition, you know, I think still should go through because it would really, it would help lower costs, it would create better efficiencies across the board when it comes to actual electrification and output. But... The way that well, this deal the, gets this, made is a little funky. And the city gets a, a big, um, there's a amount of money up front, and then there's over time they get money, right, for, mm-hmm. for the sale. Yep, and no, no, none of the workers that work for MLM, MLMP right now will get fired. 
Yeah, they were talking about basically they, everybody would get absorbed and then through attrition, which already naturally occurs right. in 10 years or something, or five or 10 years, it'll naturally work itself. But yeah, that was part of the thing was nobody, we're not going to go and fire a bunch of people on day one. It'll be handled through attrition. Right. And so that's that's something we work on is both like understanding what's going on, but then also trying to get people interested because it really matters. But it's just so boring to. Oh, start when, I, when I ran about, for the right? Chugach board, I was trying to get all my friends to vote for me, and you know, like no one gives a fuck. Yeah, like people don't vote in general. <laughs> mo- mo- even like primarily get low turnout primaries. That you know, I think the Chugach turnout's like ten or fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty. It's like a primary. In Fairbanks, if you get, I think it's less than like eight percent of the vote of members respond, the incumbents automatically win. Is that Golden Valley you're talking about? Yep. Yeah. Well, I didn't anticipate discussing uh, utilities, but I mean, what <laughs> anyway, a sexy topic. You right, know? I know. You're welcome, listeners. Listeners are going to love that. Yeah. So the one thing I wanted to discuss, um, well, the two things, I guess, is one, this payday lending, yeah. and two, the, these um, debt collectors and some of the stuff. And I have an experience with that we'll sh- I'll share later. But let's talk a little bit about this payday, which we see them all over the town. Mm-hmm. You see the Cash America or the what- yeah. whatever, the, the big ones and the small ones, too. That's right. So someone needs some cash, and this is somewhat regulated, right? You can only loan so much. Right. So you can loan up to $500 on in a two-week sort of short-term basis. And it makes sense, right? Like your car breaks down, and you need to get to work, and you need to fix your tire, and you don't have the time, and you don't have the credit score to go to Credit Union 1. Right. Is this better? Yeah. Um, so if you don't have the time to go to a bank, or you don't have the ability to get a loan from a sort of secure and traditional financial institution, what you end up doing is, right, you go to a payday lender because it's accessible and it's there and you can get it quick. Um, And you need to have a job to be able to get that loan. Um, But they don't really, they don't check at all your ability to repay. And then the the APR, I mean, basically you get 500 and you have to pay back 580 in two weeks, right? Right. So which which is, doesn't sound like a lot, but it's it's the APR on that is like 90 some percent, isn't it? It's more. On on a $100 14-day loan, the APR is 521% in Alaska. Um, and to put that in context, right, the highest that student loans go right now is 13% APR, which is already, like, incredibly high. I think some, some folks, I guess they, they say, well, the, the amount's so small, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like thousands of dollars, it's, it's hundreds of dollars. But, right. but what happens is don't folks get into a cycle? Yep, so we call it the debt trap. That's it, it's uh, you know if you can't pay the hundred dollars up front and you need to take a hundred dollars out on a loan you're not going to have the hundred dollars plus that hundred twenty the next week, right? And so you just pay you roll over the loan basically by paying that twenty dollars and any finance charges that are attached to it, and you keep paying that twenty dollars or however much for a year or more, and people end up paying seven thousand dollars on a seven hundred dollar loan, which is like you know. When people say it, you know, it costs money to be poor, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, and you end up having no, to pay so much more. No, I think by law they do have to. If they if you can't pay, they have to accept a payment plan, right? They have to mm-hmm. say, okay, you can't pay the money now, but you have to. We can give you so much time, so many. I'm not sure if it's limited, but they can basically put them on a plan where you pay fifty bucks a month or something. Right. So they can't keep charging more interest, but they have to. Mm-hmm. But what I understand, the other issue is is kind of the mar- the way the markets work is. Um, these folks who loan out this money, part of the re- reason they have to charge so much, they would say, is because there's so many po- folks aren't going to pay. 
Right. So they have to build in the, the risk factor of, of, you know, some people aren't going to pay us back. Right. So that's a really common argument. And it makes sense for, for that part of it, except that a lot of payday lenders, the way that they're financed is by traditional banks. And so the yeah, no, argument... Yeah, uh, John Oliver kind of exposed that thing, which right. was pretty pretty ironic, actually. Right. And, right. and what he said, right, was that the, the argument that you make to a bank is that it's such a secure investment to to, you know, pay for these payday lenders to operate because these people who are able to pay are going to pay pretty much indefinitely with these high APR. So on one hand, payday lenders are saying all of these loans are really risky. And so we have to charge these high interest rates so the people we do get to pay at least will have that. And on the other side, they're saying this is a really incredibly secure model to make you know immense profit. And so that's a really difficult thing. And a lot of folks in in the legislature, not in Alaska, but particularly in Texas, um, have made their money on owning these payday lending shops. And so in Alaska, actually, um, about 15 years ago, um, payday lenders um, had this big lobby that, you know, legislators listened to. And there was an interest rate cap that was proposed at 36 percent. Um, and instead, the lobby came in and they um there is now an interest rate cap in Alaska. It's 1,200%. A little more than 36. Right. We're only halfway there, right? We're at like 500. So what would you say? I guess some people might might say, well, there are people who, who don't have money. I mean, most Americans have no savings, right? Right. Like, I think it's like a third. Or, I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but a lot of Americans have no money saved. Yeah. So some might say the argument of like, okay, you, somebody's car breaks down. Somebody has an issue; they need money. They can go to one of these places. It's hard to, you know, average person mm-hmm. call somebody. I need five hundred bucks. So I guess some some folks might make the argument: well, this is a, a a way or a mechanism for folks who need money quickly to get money. Right, and I think it's it's really important that you're not taking away financing options for people who can't afford to get right better loans. And so, what we work on is you know interest rate caps are important um, but also making sure you're checking people's ability to repay on the consumer end but then on sort of the larger financial ecosystem and figuring out you know why are these APR rates so high and why are these like why are consumers and their interests so misaligned with what credit companies and payday lenders want um, which is, you know, this immense profit from the people who can least afford to pay. Hasn't there been some laws, legislation about offering these services to mil- active military yeah. personnel? So they've basically said, you can you not do it or is it, is it capped on how you can do it? So it's 36% because um, the, the Department of Defense and the Pentagon realized that they were being uh, charged a billion dollars in active duty so- service members being unfit to serve because they had such bad credit scores, they had this debt that um, pe- you know people were repossessing their cars. And they did this study of, um, of payday lenders around you know the US and they found that um, they mapped perfectly into communities of, of color, low-income communities and right outside military bases. Yeah, so they're, they're taking it, I mean that's the, they say that's the fucking most secure paycheck because you're in the military. Right. You know, that's a great, and a lot, a lot of times military, Totally. You know, you know, enlisted folks who are you know just just signed up or who are low low ranking, 
the pay is not very good. Right. And you're just out of high school. So you're not, you're not college educated. You don't have the financial training since we don't teach financial literacy in schools. That, that, that is a huge, we could go on for hours about this, but you know, I, I never, my parents working class, dad was in the military. Mom, mom worked you know, in restaurants, right. uh, good, good, good parents, good upbringing, but you know, I was never really taught about finances in, in, a, in a way of saving money and 401k, all these different things. No, and, no. and I moved to Alaska and luckily a really good friend of mine, um, ironically, who, who who's in this business. Uh, <laughs> so knows the stuff, he, right? He taught me a lot about about finances and personal finances and, you know, like pay off That's your hi- higher credit card for, pay, you know, d- don't borrow money. You, you shouldn't, you know, through credit cards. And if you have credit card mm-hmm. debt, pay, pay off your higher debt first. And just like very simple things and most yeah. people who know this stuff. But if you never did it or were never taught it, you don't understand the debt cycle or yeah. the debt trap you're talking about or things where you, you know, student loans, for example, they just, they just, I'm a victim of that, you know, I mean, not a victim, but I mean, mm-hmm. I was young, I took the, did the FAFSA, they just fucking throw money at you. Yeah. How much do you want? Here's $30,000. You know, no one thinks about paying it back. No, there's so much stuff that you just don't know too, right? Like you're not told that, you know, your, your debt is going to go be sold into collections and you're going to have debt collectors calling like constantly and on you and you don't know what your rights are when they do call. Like all of this stuff well, is opaque and it's for a reason. I'm right? going to tell you a story and you're going to, you're going to fucking love this. Okay. I'm so, so excited. I was 22, I guess I had um, moved to Alaska when I was 19. At some point I had I'd worked in underground gambling, saved some money up and I was a dealer, poker dealer. Nice. Went to Europe for a, two and a half months, came back in 06, summer, end of summer, had like no, spent all my money traveling, came back really broke basically. So you did it right. Did it, I did the, you know, you gotta, sometimes you gotta, gotta live a little bit, right? Yeah. It's good to be, I think it's good to be broke sometimes. It's Ackberg and Doris, no. I, I think it's actually, I, I don't think good, but I think it's, when you're broke, you know, and you're really broke, you, you can, when, later in your life, you can look back and know how, you can relate to people who, who, who are struggling financially. I've been very, very broke. I didn't have wealthy parents to take care. I couldn't call up and, some of my friends, you know, they get in trouble, their parents wire them five grand. Right. You know, there's people who live like that, or more. So when you're truly broke, you under, you understand how it is to live that. How do I pay my rent? How mm-hmm. do I buy food? It's like the little taste of this long-term, just like, um, I don't it's sort of this long-term mental health issue. Well, of, and, I, and I was young and single. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you had a kids and a wife and, and a family and all these different things. So, right. um, so I was home and I was like, I didn't have a car, needed a job, didn't have any money. I was like freaking out. And I see this ad on TV it was like money in minutes. And I think it was oh, man. Montel, maybe it was Montel Williams or it was some famous person that was like oh, money, no. you know, cash call, call us five up to $5,000 in your account the next day. So I'm like, oh shit, I could, that's great. I can get a car. I can get kind of get, get, get things what going, could go wrong? pay yeah. it back. Right. So I call these people. It was a Delaware company. I think that's, there's reasons for that because of the laws of corporations and how yeah, they're also friend- a bunch of different mess up things with like rent to tribe models and mm-hmm. where on if you have it on sort of Indian sovereign land um, there are different rules that apply so I, I called and I said hey I, you know I, I need money I'm back from a trip and whatever so I, I, I gave him my I faxed him my copy my driver's license I gave him my information social security whatever I gave him or all of it right great jeez Very, the next fucking day or maybe it was two days later I got five grand what? They put five grand in my account, right? No way. So, and I had to sign some stuff, and I said I'd, I'd pay, I promised to pay $250 a month to pay it off. I didn't check the rate. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't really look. I just needed money. So, I had 
you know, got the money, bought a, bought a cheap car, gotten a job, kind of got my thing, you wow. know, life going, and um, paid two hundred fifty dollars a month. It was it was on um, automatic withdrawal or whatever. What's okay. it called? Uh, yeah, direct deposit or uh, direct withdrawal. Yeah, direct. So it was yeah. basically auto, auto withdrawal from my account. So you know, a couple of years go by, a while, you know. Enough time where I'm like, oh, I wonder how much, because it wasn't like something you could log in, right, and check how much you owe. There was one like a, ba- a bank. So I go, well, I better check out how much I owe so I can get this thing paid off, right? Remember, I borrowed 5000 Right. So I looked, it looked at, since the loan was originated, right, and I look, and I I, I, I had figured out I had paid about $7,000. Okay. So I was like, okay, I must be pretty, maybe it was like 6000 something, but I was like, I must be pretty close to getting it paid off, right? So I call, and I said, I want to see my loan, how much, how much I owe. Guess how much I owed? Two thousand dollars. Five thousand one hundred. What? I owed more than I had <laughs> borrowed. Hundred dollars more, but I had paid seven thousand. Holy shit! So I was like, "How in the fuck <laughs> is that possible?" Wow. So, so then I go back and I, I like read everything. It's like ninety nine percent APR, right? Oh I mean, basically, mm-hmm. if you pay the thing off, if you pay it per month, and you're gonna end up paying like twenty some thousand dollars. Yeah. So, you know, kind of long story short, I ended up. Having um, that bank account, somebody got a hold of my. They like hacked me, or they like they got a hold of you know they got a hold of my bank number, and they like did some fraud, and they bought some airline tickets. So I had okay. to cancel that account, right? Uh huh. So then these folks started fucking calling me. Oh, no. Like mm-hmm. all the time, sometimes nice, sometimes threatening. So I googled them, and they're like notoriously known for doing this stuff, right? And and I was in wow. a good position because at the time I was in school and I was kind of self-employed, so. What they do is they normally they call your work, they mm-hmm. call your friends, they call your when you sign up you have to give like three references. They yep. call your they call your family, they call they threaten to come to your work. I mean it, it's like it's like mafia style stuff. Yeah. They call people's bosses sometimes yep. to like let them know about their debts. It was insane. So I basically um and this is the point of the story, is I called them and I said, Look, like, you know, fuck you guys. Like I'm willing to pay a little bit of yeah. I'm, I'm willing to pay some money. I think I said I'm willing to pay two thousand more dollars to make this thing go away. Mm-hmm. That, that way, you guys are getting like nine grand. Yeah, you're getting four grand profit off that because there was no early penalty payoff. But I'm not going to pay him five grand. Like that's crazy. Right. So they kept saying they were going to, you know, they were going to keep harassing me, and I was like, okay, go ahead. I mean, call you know, call all the time. I don't give a <laughs> shit. So eventually, they had agreed. They had like we had kind of negotiated, and they wanted like three, three or four thousand. I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'll do two thousand. And they said, okay, well, well, we'll accept it. Well, they said, we're going to take you to court. I go, fucking do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Because your usury shit is, your usury is, bol- the usury laws, what you're doing is bullshit. Yeah. I said, fucking take me to court. Do it. Hell I want to yeah. go to court. Mm-hmm. And the point is, like, when you stick up to these people, they, they have to, like, they'll play ball. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like I didn't pay back. It wasn't like I had paid back nothing. I had paid back. You'd pay back, like, twice the amount, you know, right? Oh, that well, at that point, bought. about $2,000 more than... Oh, what yeah. what I had borrowed, so it wasn't like I'm somebody who borrowed the money and said, "Go fuck yourself." I'm not going to pay you back. Right. So they eventually agreed on taking the two, but they, I was like, "Look, I want something in writing. I want a contra- I want something very clear. Yep. That that when this I give you this two thousand dollars, the loan's erased. The loan's cleared. Good. And you know we had a lot of back and forth, and, and I eventually got it worked out. But you know as soon as I said like. Because they knew they couldn't take me to court because I had already paid yeah. more than the usury would, would allow. You could you have know? gotten money back for yourself for all the time and harassment that it had taken. It, but I just, I lived through that and it was it was crazy how much they would call. That's horrible. How much would they call? Sometimes 10, 15 times in a day. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. I mean, it was just it was different. It was all and you talk to somebody and you'd like explain mm-hmm. it. Here's the most frustrating part. I recall this vividly. Somebody would call you. You'd explain the situation again, mm-hmm. trying to say you want to settle it. You talk to him for twenty minutes, right? They'd say, "Okay, well, let me get back to you." An hour later, somebody else would call. They they would have no idea what you like. They, they would have That's no like information. Gaslighting. Yep. God, that's so like that is exactly what happens. And like seventy one million people right now in the U.S. have their debt in like have debt in collections, right? And people like these credit cards and you know like collector agencies have determined they call people a billion times a year, right? And they're calling people who have phone plans that aren't unlimited, right? So if they are even in court with these debt collectors, these collectors are calling their phone so much that they max out their minutes so the lawyers can't reach them, right? There's like so many ways in which it's so fucked up and ways that people, you know, they are depressed. They have like ways that they can't, they go get payday loans to pay off their debts, right? Which puts them in a whole different debt trap. And they're like, I get really riled when I talk about it, but there are a lot of really great stats, you know, that talk about the ways in which all of this is meant to just get as much money out of people as possible and is in no way related to the original debt that people owe. I mean, how do you fix, fundamentally, how do you fix this? I mean, through through better wages, right? Hmm. That's really the the, the crux of it is people aren't making, a lot of people in this country, I mean, you know, Trump talks about the stock market and Mm -hmm. how great the market's doing. And that's true, right? If you have money in the market. Right, exactly. If, if, if you're invested in index funds or in stocks, you're right. probably doing pretty good. Uh huh. But how many folks have have no, you know, association with the mar- right. way the market's performing in their personal life? Unless it tanks, in which case everyone. If you have four hundred one k or something. Right. So yeah, and, and if the economy just goes to shit. Right. So I mean, the fundamental way to solve these problems, I think, would be, you know, through through more education, but just higher wages. Yep. People make more money. They yep. don't have to borrow money at a payday loan shop or call like me cash call and Jeff would get, you like a job at Ackberg like sounds like you have you're the perfect oh my that's God, exactly the, the story right I'm, I'm, the, I'm the I'm the the guy <laughs> you're our poster boy now <laughs> that's I mean I didn't the thing is also nobody talks about it right so it's it's like better you know better jobs it's more education but it's just people talking about it because nobody wants to talk about debt that they owe right because it's like this individualized shame when we talk about bootstrapping it and we talk about people being individually <clears throat> free Nobody ever talks about the fact that like there are a lot of systems which are meant to extract money from people, right? And it's for profit of certain people, but it also isn't helping, you know, people be resilient. It's not actually meant to help people go to go to the hospital when they're sick. And mm-hmm. there was a study that was done recently, it was by the Urban Institute, and they surveyed people and it turned out that people more are more afraid of um, medical bills than they are of serious illness. So there aren't people, it doesn't matter what our healthcare system looks like if people aren't going to the hospital. Oh, there's so many people. I mean, my friend Kale, I don't know if you saw Kale Green's video. No. He, he broke his collarbone on his bike and a month ago and didn't have insurance. Mm-hmm. Should have had insurance, you know, but in any case, like the cost of, of the, nobody knew what it would cost, right? And he found out it was going to be $28,000. What? To go to, you know, get the, with the surgery yeah. and all in the, the surgery center and all that. It's going to be like 50, 40 grand. He, he flew to Mexico. He flew to Mexico, wow. got got the surgery in Mexico. It was five grand with the tickets and the in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Ended up being eight thousand, all in. Wow, you know, and, and he's in the position to do that. But a lot of people, right. you know, even if you have insurance, like you're paying your premiums every month, your deductible, mm-hmm. it's still going to cost you like huge money, and you don't even know what it's going to cost because they don't tell you how much stuff costs. Right, it's until, all until it's way over. Yeah, and my friend actually, he recently he broke his wrist and he wanted to go. You know, he got ref- he got a referral to go. Um, to the next part of like once you have a broken wrist 
and he thought to call his insurance company and said, hey, is this covered? Um, and they said, oh, no, that person, like, they, they're not covered under us. Go to a different person. And nobody's checking, right? Yeah, just to, to have the fourth. Like, I had to get sinus surgery years ago, and I called my insurance, and this is another long story, but basically I called, they approved it, but then I didn't realize you know, the doctor's cost was $21,000 for a four-hour procedure, but I didn't even think about, like, the hospital, you know, the surgery center cost, and uh-huh. that was 25000 and, nope. you know, they were trying to get me for more money than my deductible because mm-hmm. they didn't get paid. It was like... What the fuck? And you're getting all these different bills. Yeah. And if you don't Anesthesi- keep up with it, you're getting right? the hospital, the surgery bill, you're getting your doctor's bill, you're right. getting your anesthesiologist bill. Yep. They can't consolidate the bill. Nope. They can't, like, it's it's just like buying, I, I compare it to buying a car. You go mm-hmm. to the car dealership, say, I want to buy that car. They go, okay, great. Uh, how much is it? No, don't worry about it. We'll send you a bill in six months. <laughs> and, you know, you're like, okay, cool. And then, you know, you have the car, you're driving the car, and then you get a bill for 80 grand. You're like, oh, fuck, I thought it was going to be 50, 40 grand, right. 30 grand. I don't know. Well, it's and that's how much the wheels cost. But what about the windshield? But it's it's, it's exactly a, it's a, it's a screwed up. Um, I lived in Australia for a year, and people a lot of times people bitch about socialize, and sometimes there's some weights. You know, if you mm-hmm. fuck your shoulder up, or you're okay, you may have to wait a few months, right? right. But here, you may have to wait forever. <laughs> you know, if, if, if right. something's really wrong there, you're going to get mm-hmm. taken care of. Yeah. Nobody worries about losing their job. Nobody worries about go, being able to go to the hospital mm-hmm. if something's wrong. I mean, there's just no worry about it. Is this you coming out as a socialist? This, actually, in this case, it actually makes um, more sense the way Australia, Canada, or UK is doing it because they, they spend less than we do by about half yep. per person. So it's more of a conservative approach. Is let, let's try to do this and, and save money and get better right. outcomes. Yeah. Instead of spending all this money and having... We have really bad outcomes in this country. We have, we have great health care. Like, our technology is good. You know, right. if you have a really bad brain problem or heart issue, I mean... We have great technology, and we if you can afford it. Right. If you can, and I always say, you know, if you're rich in America, you're good. Mm-hmm. If you're poor, you know, you can get on Medicaid. But if yeah. you're, like, in the middle, where you're not rich, but you're not poor, you know, which is most people, right? You, you are, like, fucking screwed. Yeah. No, well, that's so... I have this stat in front of me on this one pager, and it says that the number two leading cause of suicide among Army reservists in 2014 was debt and debt collections. And that's keeping in mind also that folks who are in the military or have served um, take their own lives at twice the rate of civilians, which is Whoa. one of the heaviest things about this work, right? Is it's We talk about money as if it's this abstract thing. Well, I just saw a Vice News thing a couple of days ago. Uh, I think it's new, but it was in Seattle. Some woman owns this like ice cream business she started, mm-hmm. and she used to in politics but she's like fuck politics so she started this ice cream business and she has like six or seven stores in seattle but they just started this thing which i'm not even sure if i necessarily totally agree with it but they've they've published the salaries of they have hundreds i think i think i saw that on facebook yeah so they publish a sal. everybody knows what everybody makes Mm -hmm. you know not not just what they make in positions but like the name of the person Including the the wow. CEO, she makes she made three hundred and some thousand dollars last year. Mm-hmm. The lowest per, paid person's eighteen dollars an hour. So she wants to show she's paying a good wage, but also if people are making more, mm-hmm. it's not about like being jealous or being mad. It's like, well, how do I? What, what do I have to do right. to make more? It's like demystifying it, you know. And she's she's basically interview. It was a good interview. She was like, we have this weird thing where even the guy who interviewed her was like, it's awkward for me to ask you how much you make hmm, yeah. but, but we do it's a weird thing with money and I think a lot of it is about you don't know how, somebody, how much somebody else makes so they can pay somebody else 
And I, I don't right. necessarily think it's a man woman thing. I mean, a lot of times it can be that, mm-hmm. but you know, somebody gets paid less, and you know, for for no reason. Well, but I think the the fundamental thing behind that, right, is how much are you worth, right? And we we associate so closely our salary with how much we as people are worth that it it becomes this whole like I'm afraid to ask you how much you make because I'm afraid to know like how important how worthy you are in this. And, world. and oftentimes, you know, you apply for a job, and most people, I think it's hard for the average person to, to ask for more money. Right. To, to, in the Vice piece, she was interviewing one of the pastry chefs who made, I think, 70000 And she was wow. saying, look, I want people to know what she makes. And she knows what she, she knows what she makes. She knows her value. And if one of these bigger companies is going to try to scoop her up and take her, that's fine. But she needs mm-hmm. to be asking for $20,000 more dollars, wow. you know, to, to, to do that because she wants to get her, her value. Yeah. Well, imagine if we talked about money like that. Like it wasn't like a secret thing, right? If we just were just talking about like, oh yeah, like I have this kind of debt and yeah, I make this this much money. Like it's, that to me is such a future that I don't see. I think it'd be so hard in this guy. In Australia, when I lived there for a year and people were, they're much more open about their wages. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, they say I'm on, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm on 70,000, I'm, <laughs> I'm on 65,000 or I'm That's on 35 so an hour. They just like, it's, it's just much more um, open or... Not secretive. I don't know why, but it's yeah. just, it seems to be a lot more. It definitely feels like an American thing. But I think, you know, a lot of what I do when I, I do these debt collection trainings, right, where I tell people what their rights are when a debt collector calls. Well, what do they know? say when they, um, they probably have no idea sometimes, right? Yeah, you know, people don't know. That's why they come, right? Is there, they have clearly had these situations and they come and usually they're pretty quiet, right? And they don't want to say anything. And I start telling them, you know, when, when a debt collector calls you after, 8 p.m., that's out of bounds, right? And they can be sued for that, and they can't take you to court if they've been doing that, right? And these are, like, they, I tell them their rights, and all of a sudden, people have all of these stories and all of these questions, and because there is this empowerment of all of a sudden, like, restoring, you know, agency to a person and respect of, like, oh, I don't have to be treated like shit just because I owe money that I do want to pay back. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult for me to see that because I know that we could, you know, once you're starting to have a conversation about this, people can all be having this conversation and everyone has had this experience or know somebody who has, but people just barely ever know about it. And, people and, don't talk about it. And, and then I go back to like these rich, these very wealthy people mm-hmm. who, who get engaged in massive fraud schemes, Bernie Madoff, yep. people who fucking cheat people or their businesses I mean people it's like if you still uh, you know a hundred bucks or if you owe 500 bucks or a thousand bucks you know mm-hmm. but it, but if you start fucking screwing people for millions of dollars and it's right. like well you're in a whole different category yeah it's a stop know? on the wrist category you, know, right? you, you, you actually you like you file for bankruptcy or you you know whatever happens but it's it's like way different yeah when, when how many more people are you affecting when you when you do something fraudulent or when you steal money yeah or when you screw people when you know when all of a sudden it's in like in the millions or yep. billions even Madoff's case. Yeah. No, it's it's ridiculous. And it is like this hyper regulation of like the smallest amounts of money. Well, the other thing I was going to tell you is from what I understand, these usury laws, which exist, you know, these percentages. Yeah. Um, they only go up to twenty five thousand dollars. Really? So after twenty five thousand oh, yeah, 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 yeah. dollars, there's yeah. like there's no rules. So I don't even work so, on so, that because that's not what consumers deal right, with. So, right? so, Most so, of them. So if I want to loan you like if you need money. And you need to make payroll, and you need a hundred grand. Yeah, you know, and you can say, okay, well, I want to say, I want, I want all your equipment as collateral that's mm-hmm. worth like half a million bucks, right? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that regulates that. Oh my God, I mean, obviously, most cases they're gonna 
not borrow money they know they can't pay back because mm-hmm. they don't want to lose their stuff but that's a whole that's, a whole, that, that's like, called they call it hard money lending huh wow as opposed to soft money yeah it's a whole but i mean in that case the people who are loaning the money they yeah. aren't loaning it and saying hey, i hope i get paid back i mean they're getting they're getting massive amounts of collateral worth way more than they're loaning yep yeah no, the whole system, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you think about, like, if everybody wanted everybody else to succeed, right, in their business or in their life, like, how would this be how what we do lending as, right? But it's not about that. It's about profit. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, some, and sometimes in the, in the hard money lending area, I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. it's probably better to let somebody fail. I mean, instead of putting them in the trap of, Sometimes yeah. business shouldn't shouldn't it just can't go right. It's like it's not working, right? And they, they they might get in some trap where they not only lose a business, they lose all of their stuff. Yeah, no, it's people like you put your own life on the line, and if you have a family, like that's a big choice to be making. Well, this has been a great podcast. Wow, we've yeah. covered utilities, payday lending. This is everyone's favorite stuff. We've covered uh, some great, you know, your your upsetting but you know not uncommon story. About debt collection. The one thing I do want to say, though, about debt collection right now is that the there's a national rule that is currently like under advisement um, and open for public comment, and it's basically to try and help protect consumers against debt collectors. Um, and the administration currently they don't like rules. They don't like consumers particularly. They're uh, Fuck recently em. Fuck em. <laughs> right. Well, the payday lending lobby just had their annual um, retreat at Trump's resort in Florida. Right. Really? And the next at week. At Mar-a-Lago? Yep. And wow. Well, not at Mar-a-Lago, at one of the other Trump hotels. Okay. Um, but then a week after that, right, this Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, they came out with a rule for payday lenders. I wonder how those fuckers party. I, you know, pre- that, pretty hard. Pretty, they have a lot of money to I bet spend, you, right? I bet you it gets very loose yeah. over there. <laughs> so the, now there's this debt collector rule, and the rule is open, and anyone can comment on it, and... When it does go to court, because it's not friendly to consumers and there's a lot more strengthening needed, when it goes to court, the only evidence that they can use is the public comment that's being entered now. So if anyone has a story about debt collection, I can give you a link. How do they, yeah, can you, give, I can put the link in the podcast uh, description. Yep, but send, those send stories are so important to show that this happens everywhere and it's happening in all these different upsetting, horrible ways and it can be stopped and it can be at least protected for people to know that they have rights even when they're talking about their debt. All right. Well, um, very Desuvio? Desuvio. Desuvio. Oh, my God. You got the first name. Because it's very easy to remember. (laughs) Very Desuvio, thanks for coming in. We'll do this again. Thank you so much. taking a while going back and forth to set this up. I'm so glad it happened. I feel bad. But now we're here. We'll do it again. No way. All right, folks. um, Thanks for listening. This has uh, been Jeff Landfield here, Landmine Radio. If you want to do a podcast or have an idea for a podcast, uh, let me know, and we'll talk to you next time. Landline.